This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. Who are you? I am the architect. I created the Matrix. I've been waiting for you. You have many questions, and though the process has altered your consciousness, you remain irrevocably human. Ergo, some of my answers you will understand, and some of them you will not. Concordantly, while your first question may be the most pertinent, you may or may not realize it is also the most irrelevant. David McLaughlin <laughs> is here on 680 CJOB. Um, we met years and years ago when uh, you were in, in Ottawa, and uh, you were very nice to a very young journalist <laughs> at the time. And uh, I introduce you as the architect because I, I think you're pretty humble uh, about your role in this campaign, but uh, you were uh, fronting many people that uh, helped design and execute the strategy that um, won Brian Pallister and the progressive conservatives this victory. How many campaigns have you been uh, involved in across this country? What, winning ones or losing ones? <laughs> well, in both, right? And you've 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 yeah. seen both. You've yes, seen both sides, and so you appreciate what was accomplished yesterday in Manitoba all that more because you've seen that other side. Yeah, well, I have to say uh, last night was better than uh, the Kim Campbell campaign <laughs> for which I was on the bus for, for for two months and, you know, still waiting for the recount to come in on that one. Um, New Brunswick uh, uh, was uh, where my political roots are. I've worked on many campaigns uh, right there from the Hatfield through to the uh, Bernard L- uh, Valcour even. And Bernard How do you Lourdes. say tour, by the way? All right, okay. This is a thing I know on the campaign. We have to change the way you guys say it. It's tour. Just so we're very clear. All right. And so now we're going to have a new Department of Tourism. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that was the only thing I asked for in the platform. <laughs> Look, every campaign is different, and every campaign has its own dynamics. And uh, I've always felt that uh, even the campaigns you lose in, you learn from if you're going to you know, keep doing that sort of business. And so... Um, I, you know, I've, campaigns that I've, I've lost or been in where I've lost, I've, I've learned some lessons that uh, I've then had a chance to apply uh, later on. And, and last night here in Manitoba was an example. Now, voting is something that we take a lot of pride in. Mm-hmm. I'm still hoping that uh, it increases as far as voting participation. We were better last night than yes. in 2011, yeah, but f- it is still... 58% over 55%. You'd uh, like to see it in the 75 sure. to 80% range, sure. but as long as it's going in that in that right direction. But uh, as you set the stage for this, you had a government that was 16 years in power, so that's not working for them to begin with. Mm-hmm. Then you have that PST decision that uh, was really... Uh, a tire around Greg Selinger's neck. Yes. And given that reality, you come in and you design a campaign because campaigns are marketing exercises Mm -hmm. to garner the most votes in some key constituencies. Give us some insights as to, with that backdrop, Mm -hmm. how you deal with someone like Brian Pallister that is not necessarily known to Manitobans. He's got a bit of a political history here in the Conservatives and then federally with the Conservatives and the Alliance, et cetera. But you're you're drawing a campaign uh, here to kind of a winning campaign. How do you begin and and give us some insights on how you handle that? Look, um, you know, you you run the campaign that you have to in order to win. You run the campaign that you're 
given in a in a way. The circumstances are the circumstances, and those are already predetermined. I mean, they're baked in in a way, Richard, by where the electorate is already at. And so clearly here, uh, Greg Selinger and his in his government's uh, time in office had uh, was wearing out. Right? Uh, and you had after seventeen years, if, as you will. Uh, but also because of the broken promise, the PST promise was a singularly, uh, you know, uh, event in Manitoba politics. And and uh, I mean, here we're running a campaign on it and reminding people about it, and also having a contrasting promise on it by uh, by Brian in terms of you know we're going to roll it back to seven. But you got to look back to when Brian, when he became opposition leader, and he held the government to account by the you know the summertime legislative session that we got it in people's minds that this was wrong and that this party was going to fight that back. There are roots that you're not even, you're planting at the time. This was way before I was involved, but Brian was planting, that then start to come forward, start to grow up, that you can then do something with, uh, you know, actually in an election campaign. So if that work hadn't been done, it's quite possible that the PST, however uh, difficult it still would have been for, uh, for Selinger and the NDP, might not have been as salient in in people's minds. So uh, it, 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 you know, broken promises. Well, politicians break promises all the time. But when you say these words, ridiculous and nonsense, and they're on the record and you're reminded of it, along with the timing of, uh, of and then the government rebellion. I mean, there's so many things. At one point we were, you know, almost like, you know, maybe giddy is the wrong word, but you're sort of looking and say, wait, there's so much to work with here. <laughs> and they, you know, and I, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but because a campaign, you you can get very scattered, you can get very unfocused with a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You still have to have a singular message, and so what we did was look at these at these things that were coming together, and we put it into this frame that we thought resonated with people, and that was called broken trust and broken government. It was the broken trust about the PST, but there was a real sense that this government. It was breaking apart. It had lost its way. It was, uh, it was fighting amongst itself. That the record, in fact, of uh, on healthcare, education, or kids in care, poverty was really not that good. In order to seal the deal, though, there needs to be a positive message. Sure. And Absolutely. you also had to put Brian Pallister out there, and you did a, a series of TV commercials introducing him to the. To Manitobans yes. in a very different way, and that's a key part of the strategy, yeah. isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because um, what we saw in the federal campaign uh, for the conservatives and others is that the negativity stuff. I mean, we were living within that new dynamic, if, if you will. That was still percolating out there. You absolutely have to have a positive message to bring that together, and uh, and we found that, in fact, despite Brian's rather long history here, people really didn't know his story. Didn't know that the famous one that his mom was a teacher, uh, uh, but uh, and that he had grown up and and uh, and done sports and this thing. They had sort of a, a bit of a caricature, a bit of a stereotype, and so it was very important to introduce him uh, in that way to have that uh, both the contrast, of course, with uh, Mr. Salinger and the NDP. But we felt very strongly throughout that Brian was going to be a very positive vehicle to carry the message. So we, so the early ads that you re- reference, uh, uh, Richard, were important to start to t- till that ground. Timing is very important in politics, mm-hmm. and uh, in many ways, the perfect storm happened for you because uh, going into the election, the Liberals were polling rather well, yes, given Justin Trudeau and the federal brand popularity, 
And I think there was a lot of folks that that believe that um, the inexperience of the liberal leader, once that was exposed, that that would take care of itself. Was that yeah. your feeling in the campaign? Well, it was our hope. Um, and in the sense that we saw the Liberals absolutely climb post-federal uh, campaign. So this was the Justin Trudeau halo effect. Uh, there wasn't a lot of connection, personal connection, between Bukhari and Trudeau as compared to, say, uh, Premier Wynne in Ontario and Trudeau where the campaign teams were quite you know, d- together and there was, they shared the stage, etc. But we saw that go up and that was the brand. The Liberal brand was, uh, was very popular and that raised the, the Liberal brand here. But we found... Uh, throughout that, of course, Rana Bakari was not very well known. So if, as we talked with Brian Pallister, he was known, but not some of the details. Rana Bakari was really an unknown. We'd, if we found 50% at any one time of Manitobans who, who even knew that she was the leader of the party, let alone what she stood for, et cetera. So that's both a good and a bad thing. And on, a, on their side, they could have used that as a blank slate to introduce her, as we were talking about in the context of Brian, uh, in a way that was grab that popularity of the liberal vehicle and carry it forward. So they were polling in the 20s, as we know. And in fact, I'll tell you a little, a little tracking secret. We, we, we monitored, we tracked our, uh, you know, the key ridings throughout. When the federal budget came down, uh, the liberals uh, went up about four points in our tracking, four to five points in our, in our Winnipeg seats. That was just a reminder to people that they, oh, yeah, kind of like Justin Trudeau. Yeah, kind of like the liberal brand. And so they benefited for a bit. But there is not a chance that could be sustained with her performance and how she was doing in the campaign. And so her numbers started to drop from, you know, almost from the get-go. And then the rest is sort of unrolled from there. Were you surprised that Greg Selinger played such a central role given his negative numbers in the NDP campaign? Uh, In a way, I was uh, surprised. But at the same time, I'm not certain what they had left to do. I, I think we did a pretty good job of reminding people that, in fact, the record, or revealing, I guess, that this the NDP record was not as good, uh, sort of amb- highest ambulance fees, high, longest uh, wait times, most doctors leaving, worst education. The results, reason why they got elected in 1999 yes. was to solve some of these problems. That's, you remind them that these right. problems are not solved and therefore. Uh, so something like that in the last week of the campaign a flurry of stories, negative stories about travel, et cetera. Uh, You have to address that in in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, when they introduced the cancer drug story and the whole idea he's going to cut your cancer drugs, that is when you folks said, wait a minute, that's another smear here. And you were able to take a negative and go really negative on that. Explain that. Well, uh, we'd been seeing this build up over the week. So remember, at the start of the week, it was uh, Greg Salinger put out his tax returns and it was tax haven time. This was the big, we knew that this last week was going to be really tough, that it was had gotten more personal, that the, the NDP campaign really was getting no traction. They had nothing else left to do. Now they made a choice to go negative and personal. And that's hurt them at the end, as I'll come to in a second, and it hurt their brand. And they're going to have to figure that out afterwards because uh, at, at, from the federal campaign, that stuff do, just doesn't fly. So at the very end of our, uh, with the cancer stuff that had come out and uh, uh, just and the, you know, homophobia, like just really wretched stuff, uh, our numbers started to come back, uh, you know, went up again. 
you know, so they had been very, you know, been strong throughout, but we ticked up three points. People were offended by the smear. They absolutely were. The smear became the story. You know, tax return on one day, then it was whole, you know, so tax havens. And we saw the class warfare piece that they're trying to do. This was classic uh, NDP, you know, and it fit in everyone matters. Well, in fact, everyone matters, but they wanted to draw a line. So this was their campaign choice. At that point, it was very clear they were playing to their core vote. This was a base vote play. They needed enough to save the furniture, as uh, as it were. But, you know, Mr. Selinger made a choice to decide to go down that path with because he led the charge on that. And this cancer drug piece was just, it, there was a visceral reaction amongst our folks that we started to say, well, there's something here. They were picking it up at the doors fairly quickly. And so we said, no, we're going to remind people of this. How do you explain 40 seats? That's... We have that hasn't happened since 1915 in Manitoba. Yeah, yeah. That was even before I was around in campaigns. Just to remind you, Richard, um, campaigns really have two thrusts: persuasion and identification. You, the persuasion part of a campaign is the messaging, the ads, the leaders tour, the earned media. You're persuading voters about who you are and what you're trying to do. That's the message part. The identification piece is what we typically call the ground game. That's the part that takes those votes that you've persuaded and does something with them. So we had a much better ground game, an operational game than we've ever had. So, And we've been building that up quietly because the NDP has ve- been very successful in the past with their union pieces and whether to be able to turn that into something. And so we focused, and this is Brian saying to us, pick the target, focus on the targets, be relentless, and therefore, went from you know we knew going in to election night that we had like thirty six, thirty eight. Then the final beast was the wave, and we we're able to bring in some more. My sense and the parting advice to um, to the premier now from from you, because I think he has an opportunity here to really connect with voters, because I think there was this lack of connection all around mm-hmm. in Manitoba. What's your advice to him as you go on and work on the next campaign? <laughs> Keep your word. Uh, it was a trust election in many ways. Uh, uh, Mr. Selinger broke trust, and uh, and and Brian Pallister said, "Look at what I'm. I will do." He didn't overpromise. It was not an expensive platform, and I mean, I, I get people, you know, numbers and you know, questions about that. But it was this was not a Christmas tree sale of you know of a whole bunch of things. But keep your word. Uh, tell people what you're doing, and always tell people why why you're doing this for them. I think Brian will do very well. David McLaughlin, thank you very much for sharing your insights and the story of this campaign with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Richard. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB. Stack TV.